Kevin Durant way outside. Delivers! Kevin Durant from downtown. It's a six-point game. Has it to get it across the timeline here. Irving does. Kyrie, the defender of his hip. Puts up! Minus three with Dave Damashek. Hi, hello, sports fans. Welcome to episode two of the week of Minus Three, presented as always by FanDuel Sportsbook. Tune in all season long, whatever that season may be, for exclusive offers and odds boost. FanDuel, more ways to win. Follow along at Minus Three Pod. We appreciate you doing that. Spread the good word to your pals or your enemies, however you feel about the show. And uh, when you're making a little bet on FanDuel, make sure you do it. At FanDuel.com slash minus three. It's the word minus. It's the number three. Go back and listen to our episode earlier in the week. It was a good one with Sam Monson from PFF getting ready for the NFL draft. But, of course, Masters is upon us. NBA, NHL coming down the home stretch of the regular season. So much to kibitz about. Let's do it with our pal all the way from Boston, Massachusetts, and also from Staten Island. There's Eddie Spaghetti over there. He'll chime in as well. But let's say hello to Kevin Hench. What's the poop, fella? Oh, Shaq, I'm uh, I'm in a great mood. I, uh, as you know, and as our listeners know, I was all over Baylor from from Jump Street from before Mm -hmm. the tournament. And I, you know, it's funny, our buddy Sal, like, I think Sal bets on all the games he gives out. Like, when he gives you a game, it's like he's invested. He's not just, you know, hypothesizing and then who gives a shit like Sal is betting on the game. So I felt like that was one time where I was like, I like Baylor. Baylor's price was plus 550 at the beginning of the tournament. Uh, You know, so I gave Baylor out a bunch of different ways and uh, they covered the spread the last five games of the tournament. The only game they didn't cover was uh, the opener where they blew out Hartford and and invoked their own mercy rule. But uh, goodness gracious, uh, I, you know. It's funny if you just watch the final four, you're like, wait a minute. The team that smoked the two seed in their semi is getting points against the team that went to overtime with the 11 seed. I'm getting points. Oh, interesting. Okay. It's like in retrospect, you're like, that was the easiest bet in college basketball history. Right. Now that we have all the information, including last Monday night, yeah, it does seem like we were um, indulging the the fraudulent Gonzaga team um, in favor of Baylor. But I mean, Baylor, I mean, kind of historic. I haven't actually poured through the numbers, so it's easier for me to just recklessly speculate about what Baylor just did. But I don't remember anybody just annihilating everybody in six games. And that's basically what Baylor did was they beat up real good on everybody, including an undefeated Gonzaga team. We'll get to that in a second. I say it's Masters week. We have to give you our best bets for the weekend. As we launch into that, though, Hench, on the other side, for one of these golfers down there in Augusta, Georgia, um, is going to get to put on a Kelly Green jacket. So to gauge where you are as a sports fan, um, sartorially perhaps is how you want to approach this, you get to have one hedge based on your deeds as a human being. Would you rather win a, a, a gold jacket as a pro football Hall of Famer 
or would you rather win the green jacket at uh, at Augusta? Well, I mean, obviously, I'd rather be considered a professional athlete. So I guess I would take the gold jacket. Having, uh, what a thing. You don't like that. That's having, what you think of golfers, eh? Having played sports, I'd like to be thought of as someone who played sports. Mm. That would be awesome. I mean, you know, having played sports, uh, yeah. Who? I mean – I didn't know you were one of these snobs. You don't. So golf doesn't count as a sport. Wait, being wow, you're anti, being, being, being anti golf. I, I mean, I, I appreciate golf. I'll always watch Sunday at the Masters. But I know you gave me a choice. All right, between being between being Deion Sanders and Patrick Reed. I, well, what the fuck kind of choice is that? Like, <laughs> right, then put on a wobby and get a gold, uh, get a diamond stud in your left ear. Then, if you want to go all the way to prime time, yeah. So I would, I would definitely take uh, a Canton over over Augusta. I mean, I would too. I get, but uh, oh wow, whoa, yo, stop, stop, I'm just stop, saying stop, it's stop. awfully rough on the, on the sport of golf. It's fine. Stop calling it like, that. Stop calling it that. Recreation. Okay, the recreation of golf. I mean, listen, as I say, and I said on Extra Points again, reminder uh, to all the golfers in contention before you go out onto the links at Augusta National this morning, assuming you're listening to me to get right um, before the final round here, make sure you, you sort of, you know, envisioning success. This is a big thing for professional athletes is that they, they project this in their mind and it informs what's about to happen. You got to dress like you expect to put on the Kelly green jacket. So when you wear tiger is accepted from this, but don't wear bright red. Cause then you look like you're celebrating Christmas. Go like the golden bear used to you could go pale yellow shirt with a nice uh, plaid pant that goes. Oh, so nicely with that Kelly green jacket. That's what that's uh, that's not stinking thinking. That's when that, that's getting your brain into the winter circle. Before you know, you, you arrive. know what's, a, what's another thing that makes golf, not a sport. Uh, in the Super Bowl, a fan can't call in an hour later and say that ball was spotted wrong in the second quarter. So you're disqualified. You're, you're what? What just happened? Oh, your ball wobbled, and the fucking ten million narcs who watch golf are are calling in to go. Whoa, 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 Dustin Johnson, what's up, brother? You yeah. cheated. Like it's uh, it's so brutal. Um, the, the, that, that fake, uh, Marcus of Queensbury. Hey man, these rules, we got a lot of rules, a lot of rules, a lot of rules. Well, uh, ba- you, now you count baseball as a sport that talk about, uh, a sport that should be just moved up to the peak of Mount Pius for uh, talk about golf etiquette, baseball with all its unspoken rules. All right, listen, we can, we can kibitz, uh, till the cows come home. Which That's I don't our job. What that phrase means? Cows come home. I got maybe you uh, know the, the root of that one. Um, but right now, let's jump into our best bets of the weekend. And Hench, we will start with you. All right. So um, I'm going to throw out two two road hockey teams for Sunday. All right. I like. I, I can't figure out my Bruins. I mean, they broke up the perfection line because nobody could watch. Lines two, three, and four skate around uselessly in between shifts. Like, hey, guys, so we're definitely not going to score in the next three shifts, but the, the good players will be back on the ice soon. So they they put Craig Smith up on the first line, took Pasternak off the second line. This is something you never have to worry about because with Crosby and Malkin 
half the game, you're going to have the best player on the ice. It's so unfair to have two great centers. But anyway, so the Bs have been so up and down. I don't know if you heard, but uh, Gino Malkin misses roughly half of every season now. So we don't really get to enjoy that as much as you might you, think. But go ahead. You, get, you have the two best players on the ice for half the game of the half the games he plays. So gotcha. okay. you, have to, you have to adjust the math. But so um, the Caps rested on Sunday uh, at Boston. The Bruins have to play in Philly Saturday night. And it's one of those weird things like um, – so the Bruins have to hustle to get home where the Capitals will be waiting and chilling out after beating the Sabres Friday night. So I like the Caps in Boston. And then, uh, I, you know, Spaghetti's Rangers are the scariest team in the division. I, I don't think the the number has really caught up to them. And so I like uh, I like the Rangers Sunday at, at the Islanders. The Isles uh, uh, definitely making some moves for the for the Cup run, but I think in the near term, uh, the Rangers still a great bargain. And then my third pick, this you know, this is just kind of mean, but I see you're wearing your Pirates cap, and I I want to pick. I'm going to pick the Rays Saturday. With Chris Archer going against the Yankees. And the reason I want to pick Chris Archer uh, in his return, his glorious return to Tampa Bay, is because if you look at baseball through the prism of what's going to look worse for the Pirates. like So it's like the Pirates are going to win 56 games. They're, they're an abomination. Uh, they traded Austin Meadows and that monster Tyler Glasnow for Chris Archer, now Chris Archer starting for the for the Rays. Like, wow, wow, this this is as bad as you can do in professional sports. And I just feel like if you're you can't really go wrong, uh, even though Archer's been bad, I feel like if you're picking against the Pirates, like sort of spiritually picking against the Pirates, you're in good shape. So, Capitals Rangers on Sunday, Chris Archer and the Rays against uh, the Spaghetti's Yanks on on uh, Saturday. Well, I mean, listen, I'm not going to uh, mount any sort of defense of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And it's embarrassing. And I wonder if that one goes down as uh, as the worst trade of the generation. And it makes the list of worst baseball trades of all time. If the Rays win a World Series with those guys, I think it, it deserves a mention. If uh, what absolute nothing the other side got out of it and two key players for the Rays. Um, you mentioned the Penguins at their optimal when they have their optimal lineup out there that that's a scary team rare though have they been on the ice as one collective uh all-powered unit so uh, so is uh true for the brooklyn nets but we did get a look at them with kevin durant who i don't know if the right word is underregarded, but i mean he's one of the 10 best nba players of all time and pretty much every time he goes out on the floor he reminds you of that fact now imagine if james harden can just get right with Kyrie Irving. I think we're overthinking this. We're we're belaboring the Sixers and what Embiid might be able to do, or Giannis, maybe it's his turn out of the East. I got news for everybody. Spoiler alert, a futures play. Plus 250 are the Brooklyn Nets to win the NBA title. No one is going to stop them. I think this is as good as you're going to get it at plus 250. Get in on the Nets now. Get on the right side of history. Don't overthink these things. If that big three is out there, it doesn't matter what Embiid's doing on the, on the other end of the floor. Totally um, agree. And the Lakers are tracking 
to be out in the first round. If you aren't, if you aren't paying attention, they're really getting themselves deep behind the eight ball. Um, but I really like the Nets uh, as a good futures play. The Penguins are at the Devils on Friday night. New Jersey has only won four times all season long at home, which is crazy to think of. The Penguins have really dipped um, in their last couple of games out. They've gotten hammered, as a matter of fact, by your bees and by Spaghetti's blue shirts. They play again at the time of this recording. Um, they play on Thursday night and then again on Friday night. Whatever happens on Thursday night, it's still um, the Penguins still have to get back on track in their um, they they have really done a nice job defensively of slowing down whoever's against them. And the Devils now traded away uh, Travis Zajac and Kyle Palmieri. They're gutted. I don't think that this game is going to be a high scoring one. I think the Pens try to um, get a nice little lead. I like them minus the goal and a half, and I like it under five and a half. Neither team is putting up huge goal totals there. So that's two for the price of one in Jersey on Friday night. And um, I mentioned the Sixers there. I like them as a double-digit winner. In Nolan Friday night last seen, the Pelicans getting whipped by those nets. Um, I don't see any reason that that's going to turn around and Bede really lighten up whoever is across from him. Um, take it on the chin, Steven Adams. And the Celts double-digit winners over the T-Wolves. Same logic applies with the Sixers. At this point in the NBA season, the two winners that I just gave you are playing for something, and the other two are playing for lottery position. Ergo, big wins for the teams that are going to be heavily favored in those. Um, Eddie Spaghetti, how say you? Well, we were given a gift. I mean, I was looking through the bets to, to put in this segment. I'm like, do I want something MLB, uh, NBA? And then we were given this trade, this in-division trade, which you don't see between the Devils and the Islanders. And I just immediately wanted to say bet against the Devils. And like you mentioned, Dave, the Devils are atrocious at home. And then I wanted to say bet on the Islanders because they're making a real strong cup push. I mean, them and the, the Capitals are neck and neck for the top seed in the East. I, I don't love the Isles this weekend because they're playing the Rangers. I'm not saying the Rangers are the better team and will beat them. I just I can't figure out the Rangers. I can't even even an over under Rangers some games where we have both goalies on the Islanders and the Rangers keep a low scoring games. Uh, sometimes that they score you know eight goals, so we never know. But but back to the Devils. I mean, you got to hammer against the Devils here. Uh, Hughes is left alone. There's no one. Zajac is gone. Palmieri is gone. They have no goal scoring output. And not those guys are elite players. I know they're 35, 30 years old. Um, but they they want to they do. It just there's nothing left. There's, they're bereft of talent. Uh, you got to stay with the the penguins there and i'm not sold on the sabers turning around completely the trading deadline is coming up in a few days here and taylor hall is not playing anymore and they're playing the capitals on friday that's literally a first place team versus the last place team in the east division i can't see the capitals struggling to win that game that's like that's a two goal win by the capitals easily so best bets of the weekend you got to hammer both uh penguins versus the devils and you got to hammer the the capitals here um, okay, well done there, uh, Spaghetti. And um, yeah, it it feels like fantasy football, uh, a fantasy football league. Um, what the Devils just did, handing over basically two valuable pieces to the Islanders within the division, and now everybody else in the division, the contenders. I'm sure you feel this way looking at that um, as a Bruins fan, me as a Pens fan. Like, whoa, 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 Devils! What are you doing, man? You just gave away too good a player for that trade. It's exactly the text chain of our fantasy league. Like, wait, you didn't even – did you try, Jersey? Did you try to get anything back? You just gave away good players to the Islanders. Why didn't you call us? Of us? 
Anders Bjork was available. You could have called him, especially for Bruins fans, because uh, Palmieri's the Boston Strangler. Like he only scores against Boston, so uh, it, the, the Isles are looking looking for a potential first round matchup. Uh, it's exciting, though. I mean, the, you know, I think uh, hockey's better when the Islanders are good. You know, it was a, it was a long uh, a long while there where they were quite bad. So it's fun uh, with our pals Sal Iacono and Nick Santora getting on the text chains in the in the spring for those aisles. Yeah, they're well, fun I to watch. I wish, they're a good I, wish, team. I wish the Bruins upon you. I want the the Caps in round one. That's a much better matchup for the Penguins uh, in the uh, in, in the first series there. If we haven't made it clear already, we want you to go to FanDuel.com slash minus three. One more time, it's the word minus the number three because we want you to add a little excitement to your sports watching experience Bet it all on FanDuel. It is America's number one sports book. The app is so easy to use. Great odds on all the different betting markets. Fun types of bets. Same game parlay exclusive. Always on promotions. Enhanced odds boosts on the biggest events. And if you win, you're going to get your winnings uh, safely in as little as 24 hours. And this is the sweet spot of the sports calendar Some teams are playing for playoff positioning. Other teams are hoping to lose so that they uh, get higher up in the uh, upcoming draft. So this is the time to get in on, like I say, the Celtics against the T-Wolves, the Sixers against the Pelicans and beyond, the Penguins against the Devils, so on and so forth. Fast withdrawals when you do win. All sorts of betting options once you get into those games. Player props, futures. Find whatever bet you're looking for as uh, FanDuel has heaps and heaps of options for you. Live betting, like I say, odds boosts and specials. Opportunity to win big with FanDuel's exclusive same-game parlay feature. You can bet small for a chance to win one gigantic sum. Right now, FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free for $1,000. Just place your first bet on anything, and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back if you don't win. You hear that? That's no jive. That's about as good as you can get. FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code minus three, the word minus the number three, get it. Hench, though, you know, as a Boston sports fan, you and your pal uh, Sporty Simmons and everybody else have made no secret about the fact that you guys have won a fair number of titles this millennium. However, in the 20th century, you guys could at least make a case for having suffered the most of any sports town. I give out every year at the end of every year, I give out the Sonic Award for the sports town that suffered the most. And I think that in the late 20th century, or even I can think of 1978, the Red Sox would have, I mean, the Boston sports fan, 86, you would have gotten it. Um, how, I don't recall. I don't recall what you're talking about. I know. Yeah, that's rear view mirror stuff for you. 86 means You're not no. an empath like I am, but see if you can <laughs> tap into this because the Zags fans are probably – you know, they, they don't know how to go forward. They just had an undefeated season, potentially historic, now undone by one game, by the Baylor Bears. You went through that specifically with even Tom Brady and Randy Moss. They almost were undefeated until Eddie Spaghetti's Giants had something to say about it. But you understand tough losses. How do you bounce back? Any counsel you can provide well, to the Zags fans there's, out there? The, the poor Zags fans. I, there are two, there, there's two different categories, right? So there's, there's the tough loss, like the the Pats going for nineteen and zero um, against the Giants. The ball sticking to the top of David Tyree's head, 
uh, no holding penalties on on Jarvis Green. Oh Christ! But, Does that uh, one bother so, you the most? That, that uh, when you think about the Patriots' last twenty years, no jive. Just is is that the one viscerally? Is that the course, one that breaks through everything else more yes. more so than the titles? The thing yeah. that bothers you most is that you didn't go and I think that's right too because whatever else you accomplished and 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 that team accomplished a great deal. The thing you're never going to get back, and you knew it that night when you watched. Randy Moss and Tom Brady threw like an 87 yard bomb. <laughs> Randy Moss almost caught on his fingertips right after the Plexico touchdown uh, in the waning seconds there. But you knew in the moment that Brady knew it and everybody else knew it, that we might do a lot of different things. We ain't ever coming back here undefeated. We're, we're, and we're, just, you know, so you get reminded with Zonka and Greasy every year. You got to get reminded that they're crap team. You know, it's just so. So that was brutal but cushioned by the the trophies, right? So what Gonzaga fans are dealing with right now is much more analogous to Red Sox 78, Red Sox 86, right? Where it's like, you know, no one, no one in Red Sox nation is like, well, I still have 1918. I still have that memory. You know, it, you know in 78 and 86, you're like, it's just never going to happen. And that's got to be what the Zags are going through, you know, Suggs is gone, one and done, you know, we're, you know, they're, and and I do think they're locked into a particular, I know they can, they can schedule a tough non-conference schedule. uh, But, you know, one of the ways to handicap this tournament was, okay, everyone knows these two teams are going to play in the finals. That just seems like a a preordained conclusion. One of them has spent the entire year playing Texas, Oklahoma State, you know, there are no St. Mary's on Baylor schedule. So it, there is a, a toughening, like how you get those late night West Coast highlights, right? And it's like, uh-oh, Zags down five at halftime to St. Mary's. Yeah, they're going to win by 20. Like there's never, like there is something to kind of that tough conference schedule. And so the Zags might be up against it a little bit, trying to run the table in the tournament after playing Pepperdine and St. Mary's all year. I, you know, I do think that is a structural problem. Um, in terms of going forward emotionally, you know, I mean, we've all had to do this, which is so sad. Although like, I'll, I'll say this, you know what, it, I, I, here, here's a, an analogy for you. Maybe it's a simile. I don't know which, but it is what Gonzaga mostly did. I'm not saying they played nobody the entire season, but, you know, at a certain point, they they got into this run of of playing teams that you knew that they were going to smoke every time they they went out on the floor. It's sort of like playing golf only in the Midwest where it's completely flat and and getting overconfident about your ability to make any shot anywhere on the, in the recreation of golf. Um, and then going to Western PA and everything it, you, there is never an even lie. Everything is tilted, every uh, thick grass and everything else and all of a sudden you aren't suddenly there's resistance in your way and you don't know what to do about it. That's what Gonzaga saw. They, they had never seen high grass. They had never uh, hit the ball with one foot higher than the other one, all that sort of thing. That right. I mean, that's uh, that's well, you know, yeah, they didn't have to play at, you know, the, the Baylor comes back from their COVID shutdown where uh, according to those in the know, they, there were guys with COVID. It wasn't, contact tracing it was like Mm. you have COVID so they shut down they come back they lose at Kansas and I I remember thinking like because I liked Baylor 
uh, of those two teams. And so when they lost to Kansas and they lost to Oklahoma State in the tournament, I my thought was, oh, good, this is going to make more value. This doesn't change. It's always good to lose in your conference tournament. Definitely good to lose in your conference tournament. Do not empty the tank in your conference tournament. So, uh, but but the Zags just this this steamroller going to try on the table, which obviously you know talk about a team that could have used a good loss late in the season, right? You know, you just want a loss. So emotionally, th- these people are obviously gutted. Um, what in in 1986. I had this is how this is how pathetic it is. I was in college. I had to call my parents so they knew I wouldn't kill myself. <laughs> that was. It's like, hey, Hench, uh, Hench seems pretty busted up. He's uh, using the uh, the payphone in the hallway. Our poor uh, boy deserves yeah. better. What? Uh, why is he? Why is he calling his parents? We shouldn't we you, Rich Gedman. Shouldn't we? Shouldn't we be going out to get shit faced? Uh, Hench has to call his parents. Why? To make sure they know he's not going to kill himself. Oh, okay. Well, that that tracks. Great. Then then we'll go down to Finbar's and get loaded. Cool. You know. So it, it is like you have those. Tell the moments. truth. Did you cry? I'm not. I'm on. As you probably picked up on our long during our long friendship, I'm more. I'm more rage based than than sorrow. Uh-huh. <laughs> there was a lot of a lot of rage in uh, Game Six in '86. I've been the target of your rage too. I've oh I've fallen into those crosshairs in three on three games as though it's but my. Don't, un, unlike the the toxic cesspool of of uh, misplaced anger that Boston sports fans are. Don't don't the good people of uh, of Gonzagaville, Spokane, like I'm just you, like, you actually it, know where it is. Most people couldn't answer that question. Just, d- d- you know, they seem like good folks who are like, I mean, you know, Cubs fans were this way. I, I remember going to Wrigley for the first time and just being surrounded by lovable losers. Like, you know, I as a Boston fan going to Wrigley for the first time, you know, they were like, hey, we'll get them tomorrow. I'm like, aren't you? Aren't you going to get in a fight? Aren't you filled with rage? Hey, you know what? We'll get them tomorrow. It was a sunny day. We had 12 old styles. It was a good time. I'm like, what is wrong with you people? You're supposed to be angry. <laughs> They're like, why? We, we want to have a good time. It's, well, part of it is owed to the manner in which the Cubs would lose. You would know most seasons with the Cubs over the decades by like, by, you know, Independence Day, it's like, oh, we're, you know, we're uh, 14 and a half back. We ain't winning it again this year. Ne- better luck next year. The Red Sox would cause you pain. The Bruins, historically, would lose in the most uh, heart-wrenching fashion to the Blue Blanque Rouge. That's that's why the turn is so fascinating, and it's, a, and it's um, you know, perhaps Zags, I guess all you really have is basketball. That's the difference between you and Boston. Well, I don't know what the Spokane good, has to fall back on, but here's a good question though. It's like, you know, I, UCLA fans, like, and we know a lot of them out, out here, but you know, they were like, Hey man, incredible effort, incredible run. We were playing with house money. Like they weren't real. They were not, they were like, we went further than we, we were an 11 seed. We had to play, play to get into the real tournament the first four game against Michigan state um, Gonzaga didn't, didn't have any of the like, Hey man, we pushed him to the limit. It's like, no, you got punched in the mouth and your legs buckled. I mean, it was, it was uh, 
Marvis Frazier, like you, 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 you got hit in the mouth and like physically you, you couldn't get it close. You never got it close. Like, and, and as you watch that game, you're just like, Oh, other than Suggs, you know, who got the two fouls, but like, you're like, gosh, he's a little faster than his man. He's a little faster than his man. He's a little more physical than his man. And like, we've all been in those games where you're like, guys, we're going to lose. And this team's going to be on the court for the rest of the day because all their guys are faster and more physical than all our guys. And I mean, I got to say, I was watching Corey Kispert's draft stock just fall possession by possession because at some point you got to go, all right, I got to take over. I got to take over this game because I'm supposedly a lottery pick. Well, a lottery pick can impose his will on the game. Corey Kispert's like, I guess I'll just hang out over here and hope I get a good look, which I'll rattle it out. Uh, Yes, I will launch some threes periodically. And I didn't care for the – for the overly gracious well wishes to Baylor after they got humiliated there. Yeah. I always, it is different in certain regions of the country, the intensity of the fan base. And, and uh, I don't know if it bleeds down to the player level, but certainly the, I remember going to the two, two AFC title games, one in Denver, the Steelers on the road. I went out there um, in the, uh, January of 2006, the Jerome Bettis is from Detroit. I don't know if you heard about that, uh, that little storyline. It was a Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard. Tom Brady was a six round draft pick story for about six weeks. Hey, Jerome Bettis. Hey, uh, Hey, uh, national media. There are other guys on the team besides Jerome Bettis and you're hurting their feelings by only talking about the bus. But anyway, I go to that title game in Denver and I was struck by the fact I just had on a, a, a pirate ball cap. I thought it might be obnoxious. I might get a, a whipping if I, wa- you know, had a terrible towel hanging out of my pocket or whatever. Instead, every person in Denver on a, on a blue sky, crisp day like, like you get in January in uh, Colorado, everybody coming up to me like, hey, best wishes today. Best wishes. May the best team win. Can I get you a beer? And I'm like, it's a game here. I don't, I don't get what, uh, what's going on here. Um, and I, I lost respect for those people. Well, and- that's the weird part because we come from a, a fan base where if this loss doesn't ruin your life, you don't care enough. You, like if you're not, if your <laughs> happiness is not true. based, is not based on the outcome of this thing you have no control over, you're a fucking loser, man. You got to have your entire life based on, on these, the calls of these refs, you know, and then people go like, Hey, you know what? We, we gave it a good shot. We're going to, uh, we're going back to the house. Going to have another, a couple of cool ones. Like, we're like, what is wrong with you? Why aren't yes. you, why aren't you assaulting me in my pirates hat? This is nuts. These maladjusted people moving on from a sports loss, uh, that uh, was delivered by a bunch of strangers wearing your, your city's colors. It's very strange. Um, yeah. And then on the banks of the three rivers, one year later, after, I mean, one year prior to that Broncos game in, uh, in Denver, in Pittsburgh, your Patriots come to town. The Steelers are 15 and one. And, uh, one of my pals, uh, for the, for the tailgate said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to bring a buddy of mine, um, along and he shows up and it turns out the guy is a, a Patriots fan. And, uh, you know, we all said, uh, ha it's a funny joke. Uh, beat it, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and, and our pal is like, he's like, ha ha, these guys are great. Aren't they? 
and we're like, um, seriously, get the F out of here. We're not, I, I mean, for real, a Patriots fan is not drinking our beer and eating our wieners before we play the New England Patriots. What, what the hell are you thinking, man? Right? It's I mean, like when is- they when they punch in on those married couples in opposing jerseys at the game. What what are you guys doing? How can how can this be any fun? Yeah. Like someone's gonna be driving home fucking miserable. Like they're laughing. Like what? You take those jerseys off. You don't care. You obviously don't care if you're sitting with your honey in her Titans jersey. Like you're not, you you can't, it should just be like, honey, we'll talk Monday morning. Obviously, we should be separated during this three and a half hours. It, it, it's bizarre. I don't know. Maybe, I do not maybe. like watching. I, I I can't recall if we ever have. I don't think I would ever willingly sit down next to you for a Patriots-Steelers playoff game. I, I philosophically am against the idea of it. Um, I, by the way, what is starting to set up? It's not exactly Yankees-Mets in, uh, in the year 2000, but – there's a decent chance now that the Nets are going to catch the Knickerbockers in round one of the playoffs. And by the way, on the other side of the country, the Lakers, the way they're playing, you could see them playing the Clips in round one, which is fascinating stuff. Eddie Spaghetti, quickly, I have to, I have to give you kudos when we're talking about you know mixing fans and everything else. I gained a lot of respect for you. I don't care for you overall, but I thought it was a real classy move by you in the midst of your blue shirts, not just beating the Penguins, but humiliating them. On it has to be done. Yeah. It was, it was a shame. I, 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 you know, I felt real sorrow and like I say, embarrassment, not one text from you mocking me. And I appreciated that. And I wanted to say man to man. Thanks. Of course. I mean, we were texting a little bit beforehand, but it's one of those things where number one, the, the Pens have owned the Rangers this season. It's this been a team that they've, they've had our number. And number two, it's, you know, we're still outside of the playoffs looking in. You guys are in the playoffs. So what good do I get talking trash about a regular season game if we fall short of the playoffs? So, you know, it, it was a great showing. Uh, they needed that. I hope you guys lay down, uh, you know, Thursday night's game as well. And for the rest of the season, let us get in. But no, there will, there will be no trash talk for me from a, a team uh, outside of the, the playoffs. Well, you still, you know what? You really, it's starting to shape up that it's not absolutely unreasonable that you guys might sneak in. And like I say, if you know the 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 wild cards are the Devils and the Sabers. You know the the Devils made one big move, but the Sabers can swing the entire division. They can swing the league if uh, if the right pieces land in the in the right uh, hockey towns. Much left to be determined here coming down the stretch. Um, Hench, what do you want to do now? Should we talk about, I want to get into, there, there are a few things. Um, I'd like to talk about, maybe we do a draft in front of the NFL draft. Um, we could start doing some draft related stuff. Maybe we start by drafting our first three members of our new hall of fame. If, if, uh, you haven't heard, if you're just listening for the first oh, time, yeah. halls of fame have gotten gummed up by the voters who all live up on Mount Pius. They should just move the whole thing. The inconsistency of it, that Pete Rose isn't in there. I get why, but Ty Cobb is, you get all the examples. Um, we've been over them. Uh, you know, the, you, you go to the baseball hall of fame, you take your little boy there like, Hey, where's the all time home run King. I got to see that guy. Right. Like, well, he's not, he's not in. There. Oh, well, the, how about the hit? How about the guy who got the most hits? Yeah. He's also not in here. Then, 
Like, how about well, how about the best pitcher of the last 50 years? Yep. He's not yep. in here either. Like, what the hell did you bring me to, old man? What, what are we doing here? Cooperstown, not easy to get to uh, <laughs> physically. <laughs> not easy to get into if you were the best of all time at your position. Also hard to get into. Um, so I, I always go back to 1995 with these sanctimonious sports writers, right? Um, Albert Bell... Uh, allegedly a colossal prick. Mo Vaughn, congenial. You mean like he pricked his, himself in the arm? Yeah, with just, his, like a, like well, just like, you know, a, a surly guy. I, oh, you know, oh, and then okay. Mo Vaughn, a congenial, great quote. What, what do you fellas need? I'm going to crack wise at the locker. So the season ends. They're both butchers defensively. Like Mo Vaughn could not catch a chest high throw from the shortstop, and Albert Bell obviously just falling around in the outfield. But so there's no, there's nothing to, to separate them defensively. Albert Bell better in every category offensively. Both teams make the playoffs. So like whatever your criteria is, like Albert Bell, this is his MVP award. I believe he had fifty two doubles and 50 homers. Like he was 50-50 doubles and homers, just a completely dominant season. Uh, Mo Vaughn gets the MVP and is like, well, why? Uh, he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. So it's like, okay, obviously the 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 flax seed and the, and the clear, cream and the clear, it works against Bonds. But more than that, right, it's these fucking, it's the pricks that got – you know, that weren't treated kindly by the home run king. And so it's like, oh, great. Here's here's my little uh, revenge. Here's my revenge. You know, you're just going to have to wait. And so it's an interesting time because we're in this moment, everyone in uh, out here in Hollywood uh, lo- loving the Scott Rudin uh, prick extraordinaire exposure, you know, expose in, in the Hollywood Reporter, I think, or one of these rags. But so – so it's like, yeah, he's a monster. He's a terrible guy. He's the apparently he's the character that Kevin Spacey's character uh, in Swimming with Sharks was based on. He's just a monster. And it's like, okay, we we're in this thing where it's like, um, we're if you're a bad guy, no no more. And I feel like maybe baseball writers started that. Like we're like, we'll just keep you out of the Hall of Fame. But why you're a bad guy, you know? And like Andy Pettit is not. He's not a. Uh, a Hall of Famer, I don't think, even though he he has some kind of extraordinary. Uh, now you woke up Eddie Spaghetti. He's going to fight now. But, but okay. Well, you know, I mean, if you if you are adjusting, but he, you know, so so he did the HGH, and then he just said like, I was trying to come back from an injury, and I feel bad, and I'm sorry, and it was like, forgive for that's great, that's great. Uh, you are forgiven. Carry on, carry on. No, not it another- is, by the way, I I. I- cited that a lot in that whatever that was 15 20 years ago when all that was happening um that is a great lesson for the kids for real look at how society reacted and giambi was the same when he got caught he immediately sat down i don't even remember if he said okay i took uh steroids he maybe didn't even use the proper words but he's like i got caught i apologize i'm embarrassed and everybody let him off the hook and that was the end of it if you do the other, if you do the Rafael Palmero, I did not do it. Like, then you're going to catch hell for it. Or the McGuire, when he's like, I'm not here to talk about the past, when they brought him into like the hearing. It's like, you're for only real. here to talk about the past. I think McGuire would be in the Hall of Fame if he would have been like, yeah, that was that was, that was was weird. I got caught up in it. Sorry, everybody. I think he'd well, be in the Hall of Fame right now. 
yeah, what you the point is you go like um the guy we all called a liar, Jose Canseco, was absolutely telling the truth. Uh Mr. Congressman, everyone sitting in front of you did steroids. Like you could just turn to the guy next to you and go, I did steroids with this guy. I you know, like like they're they're all it's the it's the cigarette executives. Like, okay, guys, we're all gonna go in there and lie, right? We're all gonna lie about addictiveness. Good, good, good. Great, great, great. They, you know, they go in and it's like, and then one guy goes, you know what? I was trying to come back from this elbow injury. I did HGH. I feel terrible. And then people are like, no sanctions, no fine. That guy's great. And the rest of them are like, did we, did we play this wrong? Did we like, they're going to hold it against us forever, I guess. And the, and the funny thing is, um, you know, Junior Griffey, like his star has just ascended uh, post-steroid era because, you know, physically the assumption is like, look at those arms. Like this guy never took anything and hit 630 home runs or something, you know? And it's like, so it, it is wild. I, I don't know. Like the thing about bonds, I mean, he literally figured out, like he broke the cheat code. I mean, literally the cheat code, but like, so yes, your bat speed, your power, but he figured out that ball is an inch off the plate and I'm not going to swing at it. That's the part that's not really steroids. Like he, he's like, I'm going to walk 200 times because unless you throw it where I can hit it into McCovey's Cove, I'm not going to swing. Like it was it, those numbers from those seasons, those the six, what was it? 637 OBP. Like I, like it was a crazy, like he's walking 200 times and and hitting bombs every other at bat. Uh, so I don't know. You either need a steroid wing, you know, just say That's here all. are the That's guys, it. you know, you can have a giant asterisk over the doorway into the steroid wing. But here are the best players of their era. Their era happened to be the steroid era. I'll do you one better, Hench. Guess what? Whether I, I know this hits close to home to you and I didn't mean to turn it into an indictment of the 21st century Patriots. But whether you like it or not. And whether Barry Bonds likes it or not, or Roger Clemens, yes, of course they should be in the Hall of Fame. Yes, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady will be remembered 100 years from now as, as two of the you know great figures in, in pro football history. They also will always have an asterisk. I, I, and it doesn't need to be physically imposed anywhere. It already exists. You don't have to like it. That's, that's the way it is. That's, that is the perception that has won out. Here in our Lord's year, 2021, Go ask around sports fans. The Patriots are great. Tom Brady's great. But that will always be true. That, As I've told you before, 70 years from now, a young, inquisitive sports fan will open up the great book of pro football. And they'll say, tell me about this early 21st century dynasty or whatever you want to call it. And they'll get there and there will be a huge stain on the page because Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and a bunch of the guys on the team cheated. And that's, and that's the way it is. And that stain will always exist. You don't then need the extra layer of the sports writer, of the football writer who votes for the Hall of Fame being like, T.O. wasn't nice to me in the locker room. I'm going to teach him a lesson. Like, this is not your your shot at uh, vindictive um, uh, retribution here. Is he a Hall of – is T.O. one of the great receivers of all – yes, well, then, of course, he, he goes into the Hall of Fame the first chance you get. What's this nonsense of – of exacting revenge on these guys. It's very straight. That's why we need a new Hall of Fame. 
Are you well, mad about the, red, about the well, about the other thing? If this makes you feel know, any like, better, the Red Sox in uh, in 04, they also cheated. A lot of are steroids. You, are you I, – I mean, you're just uh, – maybe you don't understand your punctuation marks. Those those dots between G-O-A and T and, and Tom Brady, those are periods. Those aren't, those aren't asterisks. I, I don't like, I know there are periods between G-O-A and T as it pertains to Tom Brady, but I, these asterisks you talk of, um, well, I don't even know, like, be, because the balls weren't really underinflated. I don't know, like, because they won that game 45 to seven. I don't know, like, wh- how you're disparaging Brady. Did he also, what he, did he also use legal wait, 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 wait. balls? Against uh, we the gotta, Chiefs we gotta, in the Super Bowl, he just won the Super Bowl. By the way, I don't know if you're familiar. And by the way, when, when Rodney Harrison undercuts uh, Seven's shitty decision to to have a pick six in the AFC Championship game, was that you know? Where did they know what was coming? Because like it's like the Patriots whipped your Steelers constantly in this the playoffs. I, 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 uh, this is not what I this is not what I intended when I brought fair this and subject. square, fair and square. Um, All right, how about when, and, when it started too? I mean, listen, I I, I have I have neither the interest or or, or I this. How dare you? Is what I is how I don't uh, blame Bill Belichick for Mike Tomlin not going for it on fourth and one and a half. About, I'm not debating. They would have beaten the Browns. That's it. But Bob your point Bob. about your point about Brady kind of connects with Bonds. The thing with Bonds is he was the best ball player that I literally had ever seen. Um, when he could have won three straight MVPs in the National League, and this is pre-juice, then he goes out. That I think that's part of what is vexing to the sports fan. It's like, Bonds, you were already an all-time great. Why the hell did you need to do this? Uh, Sammy Sosa needed it. You didn't need it to get into the Hall of Fame or other. You know, you know what it is. You know, you know what that that your analogy is like. You know what it is. It's like, um, uh, excuse me, uh, Mister Mister President Nixon. You're going to win in a landslide. Um, I, I yes. highly advise against breaking into the DNC. You're going to win 49 states out of 50. Or is that 50th state just driving you crazy? Let's let's figure out how to win Massachusetts. We got to break into the DNC and get like it's like talk about paranoid narcissist like Richard Nixon and Barry Bonds. Like, don't cheat. You're going to win. <laughs> All you have to do is not cheat. Well, that's the thing with the Patriots too. Obviously, their best teams that with Randy Moss they didn't win. Um, but uh, but Brady, as we just saw in Tampa Bay. Would have uh, would have won some titles at least without the nonsense. That's all. You you. I think you can agree. Hey, maybe if, you can they'd been, uh, if they'd been right with the Lord, the ball wouldn't have stuck to the top of Tyree's helmet. Maybe that was maybe they would have won 10 Super Bowls. All I know is thank goodness for Eddie Spaghetti's giant stepping up, not once but twice. And of course, to Archie and Olivia Manning, because if they hadn't met at Ole Miss, Brady would have a dozen or more right now. That's a, <laughs> what do you think about these rumors now? I know a Sporty Simmons wants it. I assume you do too. You would like for Belichick to go against um his typical way and move up to try and get Justin Fields because if this is really true and it, it certainly could be a smoke screen and I love the perennial indulgence of the lies of GMs and coaches by the media as though like I don't know he said they're taking Mac Jones at three well of course that's what they're gonna do then right like as though 
no GM or coach in this time of uh, in the draft process has ever told a fib about uh, what they actually think of somebody before. Um, but if, in fact, they take Mac Jones at three there, there's a chance for Belichick to trade up with with the Falcons, and maybe there are a couple other spots in there now that um, Sam Darnold is, has gone from the Jets down to Carolina. Maybe even Carolina might be willing to deal back a little bit there. You could get Justin Fields. Is that? I mean, do, I, I assume you embrace this idea, right, since you're such a Cam Newton hater. For sure. Um, but when you look you – know, I don't know if you read that Malcolm Gladwell piece in The New Yorker about – drafting quarterbacks and just like there you should be able to know for sure what you're getting like there's a lot of film like you they put him through these workouts he can make that throw he can make that throw he can make this read he's played in a pro offense this should be great and for some reason there's still this weird coin flip like I don't know like so I was thinking about this draft and you're like who's the Josh Rosen that's the question because if you look at Mayfield Darnold, Allen, Rosen, and Lamar, if we put those five guys, you know, like you're like, okay, Allen and Lamar, great draft picks, obviously. Darnold uh, still has value. Mayfield, you know, the guy doesn't stretch the ball out at the cone in, in Kansas City. Baker Mayfield beats Mahomes in Kansas City. Like, so, so other than Josh Rosen, you're like, okay, those are all defendable picks, right? Right? You know, like you you could say. So then you're looking at these guys and you're like, well, all we can, all we have to avoid here is Josh Rosen. That you know, who's the Josh Rosen? And so um, I I've been very high on Mac Jones, maybe because I just thought he was the only one who could possibly fall to the Patriots. So I've talked myself into it. Because you've watched like, a lot of Tom Brady, that's why. Because well, he cuts that figure. He, he cuts that figure, and also like, um, although. It's, Tom Brady was not making those throws at Michigan. Obviously, Tom Brady got bit by a radioactive spider at some point uh, because he was not. Matt Jones is making all these pro throws when Devontae Smith goes across the field like he's running a diagonal. And he's like he's dropping a teardrop 55 yards into his breadbasket. Like so I, that's that's been my guy um, thinking he might fall to us. But I I guess, you know, I can't pretend to know which of these guys is Ryan Leaf uh, or Josh Rosen, but one of them is, right? You know, it's just this weird thing. It's it's the rotten jelly bean, like, wow, that one doesn't, what happened? They missed the sugar in this one. Um, and so in a weird way, you want you want to be the last, you want the last guy. Because then, no, then you have no that choice. That is, boy, oh boy, you have captured my worldview. That is exactly right. It is, again, back to my vanity. I would always rather, if there are two QBs and uh, the picks, and, and I can either have the first overall or the second overall, give me the second overall, because then I don't have to wear it if it doesn't work out. Like, well, the other guy took the guy, like, this yeah. is who fell to us, and so you can't really blame me too heavily for that. I'm sure the Chargers GM in 98 – did get blamed even though he's like i didn't have any choice are you so you're saying it, as a patriots general manager you get to run the show on draft day you're trading up and your preference would be let's say you can get all the way up there to number two and get in front of kyle shanahan at three and trade with the jets which would never happen from the for the patriots but you would take mac jones over justin fields or zach wilson well, 
The point is, like, you wouldn't you do that. It kind of goes back to the Reggie Bush, Mario Williams thing where you're like, well, you can get don't don't leapfrog somebody to take Mac Jones. Right. Don't waste value to get ahead. Wait for Mac Jones. That's right. Um, you know, so but uh, but I definitely to your question, it's like, I mean, as we've uh, talked about ad nauseum, it's like I I, I can't the Patriots are not contenders with number one at quarterback. I'm, you know, or this number one. Well, they're not, uh, but I, the, the, the value that I see out there and you can bet it at fanduel.com slash uh, minus three is of I, that the Browns are behind the Ravens in uh season odds. I mean, it seems to me the Browns are the team to beat in the North right now. So uh, that's, that's the better value. And um as I'm just wrapping it up here uh, for us, Hench, do you agree with my Nets pick that is that, do you see the Sixers or otherwise, or I don't know who comes out of the West at this point. I mean, I love Denver. They're a lot of fun. Utah, um, the Clips, Lakers, otherwise, do you see anybody? I mean, this is, I don't think we're celebrating rightly. It's not LeBron and D Wade plus a nice piece in Chris Bosh. These are three of the best scorers in NBA history. All I mean, it doesn't matter what they do. They they're they're like Air Coriel's Chargers. Like, yeah, who cares if the if, if we play any defense? We'll just outshoot you. The uh it, it sort of reminds me of when like the Sixers, the Sixers were so close it, it, in the early 80s against the Celtics. Like it was like it was just, it was so close. It was game seven, one point. You're so close. They went, we're gonna add Moses Malone. Oh, oh, well, then you're going to you're definitely going to win the shit like we're we're tied and you're adding Moses Malone. You're going to win the championship. So you watch you watch these nets. They're fun to watch. They, they, they haven't you know, they haven't hit us with the full bore five all stars. They they're, they're they're you know, Joe Harris is standing in the corner and making threes. Blake Griffin comes in, makes a three. Aldridge, I think, had 22 the other night. Durant had 17 points on five shots. I mean, they're literally fucking around. And we, when they, and, and I, you know, obviously they're doing it exactly right. Nobody steps on the court unless they're, uh, you know, hundred percent, no, no worries. So they're, they're smoking teams with two thirds, one third, uh, you know, of the big three, like it, it almost doesn't matter when they when they hit the big guns, when they all get out there together, it's not going to be competitive. They're not they're not going to you know barring injury, which is a weird way to go into a playoff. Like barring injury, they're not going to be pushed. They're they're going to smoke people. And you know it's funny we were talking last week about how teams get built now, right? And if you look at those incredible um, Warriors. Uh, Warriors Cavaliers finals, right? That just year after year, kind of Le- LeBron and going up against the Warriors, and so then like LeBron, Kyrie makes the shot, and and then the Warriors go, all right, well we're like nip and tuck with this team. What if we add Kevin Durant? Let's add Durant to our team, and then everyone goes, oh, you've ruined basketball. So we'll just see you at the parade. That's great. Yeah. Oh yeah, you'll definitely see us at the parade. Then you know Durant gets hurt. Kawhi Leonard wins the, the that championship will always be weird when you're looking down the long list. Toronto Raptors, what happened here? Well, some you know I got hurt, but if you look back at the Warriors, Cavs, 
with the chase down block and Kyrie hitting the game winning shot. Like just imagine you go, okay, well, we're going to take the MVP, James Harden. And then we're going to take the guy who hit the game winning series championship winning shot. We'll take him too. And we're going to take the best player on their team, Durant. We're going to put them all on the same team. You're like, well, obviously you can't do that. That, that wouldn't be fair to the rest of the league. Well, hold on. We're not done. We're going to, we're going to take uh, LaMarcus Aldridge and we're going to take Blake Griffin. They're, they're, they're spare parts. Like it's, it's nuts how the, the talent level. So now you're like, I mean, I got in on the nets at a better price than the one you just listed, but I do agree what you're betting is you're, you're getting plus 250 that one of these guys won't suffer a catastrophic injury because right. they can weather uh, two they can weather two two miss uh, two missed games like they can they're going to win a series they will never lose when those guys are all on the court so unless it's it's you're done for the playoffs um you're that team is is going to going to run through the east and then you know whoever comes out of the west is you know because the, the whole point of basketball is it's not it, – it, it, it used to be or like maybe we just romanticize defense to the point where it's like, hey, man, defense wins championships. you got to be able to D up. It's like, no, what you need to do is for these 100 possessions, you need to have a better average shot attempt than the other team has. Like so you might not be great defensively, but you're so much better offensively and have so many guys who can create their own shot – and create shots for others, you know, because they're not selfish. They're, they're, you know, Harden has 17 assists at halftime. Like, he's not selfish at all. So what you're doing is you're just creating a better percentage shot, possession after possession after possession. You're getting to the foul line. And it's not it's not like the, the March Madness where you can have an off night. It's like you have to beat them four times. Like, it's not going to happen. That's so right. I'm, I'm with you. A hundred percent plus two fifty still a, a sweet payout on a team that nobody understands. Tobias Harris is not beating these fucking guys. Okay, I'm sorry, Sixers fans. These guys are killers, and they're gonna run the table. Uh, by the way, I, they could they they might be able to do it at two thirds of the big three. Like they. They've shown no sign of weakness since those guys all got happy together. If the Lakers don't get out of the West, I, uh, there, there is no path. I mean, like you say, the Golden State comparison, what do you like better? you like Clay, Kate? I mean, of course, they won it without KD too, but even throw the KD um, uh, version in there. Do you like KD, Steph, and Clay more than you like this trio? Of course you don't. Draymond is an important piece to those golden state teams, but um, you more than get by with some of the, the big name ads that they've made of late. I mean, this Nets team is preferable head to head. I mean, I bottom line, this Nets team against the, the highest uh, end team of the golden state run there, New Jersey. I mean, that uh, Brooklyn wins that series. So do the math from there. And the one thing that got in the way, the one kryptonite to that golden state team was LeBron when they really went big with Tristan Thompson and, and could and could bang you a little bit up front. That caught Golden State that one time around. I think the Lakers, obviously, with Drummond now and LeBron and AD, if they're all healthy, that would be the one antidote. But that's – I mean, talk about the 
Brooklyn's health, the, the Lakers have a long way to go. They, they might be out of it after the first round. They may, they may not even survive the little play-in series, the way things are tracking for them. They're so decimated right now. Last thing, Hench, before we go. Eddie Spaghetti put it on the rundown, and I don't want to let you down and ignore his rundown. Ten-year anniversary of Game of Thrones starting. Eddie Spaghetti loves it. I loved it until the last season or, or thereabouts, most people. Is it the biggest TV disappointment of all time? If not, what is? Um, first of all, you know, as somebody who just had to contribute to the, you know, final episode and write the final syllables of episode 194 on Last Man Standing, not not the global phenomenon of Game of Thrones, but we did a lot of talking about how do you end in nine seasons of a show? Um, and there were a lot of different we, Was there a well, dragon we, involved? We, uh, we, so I said, why don't we make the guy in the wheelchair the king? And they're like, well, there's no, what are you talking about? Uh, no. Uh, so I, I cut a lot of slack to the poor guys who have to go. Um, people are going to be pissed that it's ending. So your audience is already surly. Like it's over. Um, so I was much more in the Dr. Seuss, I'm, I was happy that it happened. I wasn't angry. Everyone was angry. Same way with the Sopranos. I was like, wow, why, you know, it's, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Like, and the one thing we tried to do on Last Man Standing was like, okay, it's all pretend. You know, there are no dragons, but it's still pretend. This isn't a funeral. Like these people, these characters in our minds will wake up in the morning and have lives. So, you know, the the cheers turning off the light in the bar, like we're like, no, 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 they're going to go to work in the morning. Like it's going to, you know, like we don't want it to be a bummer. Right. And so I didn't I was not as as put off. I was like, I loved Game of Thrones. Um, the you know, when everyone was like, this battle scene is so dark, I can't see it on my TV, uh, it, you know, in the in the final in the run up, I was like. Wow, man, everyone's a cinematographer now. Jesus Christ. <laughs> These guys have 10,000 extras. They're shooting like you're pissed. Everyone's angry. Everyone's, you know, everyone's an expert. So um, I obviously loved Game of Thrones. Um, I, I don't I didn't have a better idea for how to end it. Um, you know, I, I guess that's not a very hot take that I, I was fine, fine with it. Um, now, what was funny is my old lady read the books. So she knew the red wedding was coming. Like we would sit next to each other. She, she was, but she's got a poker face. She was like, when the red wedding happened, I was like, you knew that was going to happen. She's like, oh yeah, I knew that was coming. I was like, oh my God, you, you, you got to play poker. Like, how could you sit there calmly and, and know that Caitlin Stark is about to get her throat slit open? Like it's insane. Um, but no, I I, uh, I loved it. And by the way, that was the that is one of the five worst things to ever happen to me. The red wedding, and red wedding. certainly the darkest thing that I've ever experienced watching TV. That was, I mean, this side of maybe some rugged Steelers losses to your Patriots. Well, what are your favorite series finales? I like the the Cheers finale. I get what you're saying though; it was a little glum. Um, I, I, my but my biggest disappointment, bar none, is lost. The investment of time, I'll never be the same again. I'll be a cynic for from now until uh, my dying day because of lost. That clearly, in retrospect, they had no idea where they were going. The 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 number 
of things that they just left on the wayside on the way to the finale. Like you're not going to pay off all this, cra- all this crap you set up. Like that's the genius of what they're doing. Like that's <laughs> no, you're not. No, that's not cool. This isn't the Sopranos about, uh, uh, about how small or mad men about how small you can go about the human condition. This is, this is lost. This is all mystical, uh, Hokum, you got to pay that stuff off. You can't just let it hang there. Like, yeah, that was a red herring. Like, nope, can't do that. And then the minor one that nobody seems to care about except our pal Matt Money Smith um, shares my pain on this. Canceling the Nick with Clive Owen. I, that really bothered me. I love that series. Those are my, well, my big Let me ask you, uh, is, uh, how'd you feel about our, our, our pal Dreamboat John Hamm going to Esalen and then meditating and then – um conjuring the coca-cola so like what was your read on the ending like was it um hammy draper was getting getting right with the universe or was it cynical like oh no even when he gets right with the universe he's he's so this animal that he's still in his mind his mind is not blank his mind is not accepting the universe it's writing a jingle for coca-cola I thought, well, I took it as the latter. I thought it was the Popeye thing. He, you know, I mean, uh, Draper is who he is, even though he's not Draper, he's Dick Whitman. And, uh, uh, you know, I think that's at his heart, whether whichever name you call him, that's what, uh, that's who he is. Right. That's how I took it. Yeah. I, and I, which I loved, I, I thought, you know, I, I, I love that whole series. Um, I do people who go back and go like, um, oh my God, I just watched the Sopranos again. Like, really the the whole thing you don't have any kids what's going on like i don't know where like people who go you got to watch it again what the the pilot no the whole series <laughs> oh, oh really Why also I-, I know how it ends and this is some coming from somebody who when i was about 12 years old i invented espn classic and all my peers said who would ever want to watch games that we already know the outcome to and my answer was well dave damashek for one and uh, I would put the VHS in and watch the old Super Bowl 14 and otherwise like that. But yes, I'm with you on going back and watching an entire TV series when the suspense is taken away. Best series, though, the 21st century. It's a it's a meaty group. It really is a great uh, a great category when you when you figure in Mad Men and Game of Thrones and other to me. Breaking Bad, the most exciting series ever, oh right? My God. It's the best one. Yeah, you would, it, of course, we would always watch it, you know, after Sophie, our uh, first daughter, went to bed. And like, you'd get up off the couch and you're just like, um, oh, good. I'm completely electrified. This is the way to go to bed, right? I'm, I'm fucking flop sweating on behalf of Walter White for an hour of tension. Ready to turn in, hun? No, I'm going to stare at the ceiling for six hours. That was so fucking intense, uh, you know that 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 the, the drug dealers are going to are going to cut his head off. That that series, and I mean Cranston, yeah. That in terms of like galvanic skin response, like the, your your level of engagement with a show, that might be number one all time. Oh, I forgot. Talk about the the falling off a cliff. What upset me worse than Game of Thrones was true detective i the i i could not have cared more about russ cole i i i i mean the gorgeous bayou shots of the car driving and the 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 orange sky i i mean it was beautiful to look at 
the famous tracking shot of um, uh, episode four, was it, whatever it was. I mean, that w- remarkable um, stuff. I'm not uh, a cinephile like that. I don't mean to claim expertise about that, but it's noticeable when he when he's making the rounds that night around that uh, through, through those houses and over the fences. How did they do that one? Th- th- those kind of things. That final episode that they that they turn it in the last 25 minutes in the silence of the lambs and then it's a redemption story where he finds god like what the hell did you do what what the hell where did we go here that that was a pisser for me well you know what they were doing there that 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 by they were if you thought that was bad they were merely cushioning the blow for season two (laughs) they're like oh we can't it would be cruel to go from Woody Harrelson and McConaughey, end it awesome, and then give you Colin Farrell and Vince Vaughn in season two without without at least disappointing you 50% of the way to what's about to happen in, in the execrable season two. Funny inside, inside dope story about uh, the bridge between season one and season two of True Detective. Uh, so as I understand it, uh, you know, in TV, the writer is supposed to be king. That's, you know, how we've always told, like, you're in charge. You know, you tell the director what to say to the actors. You know, you're not supposed to talk directly to the actors, but the director will do what you say. And then in film, they're like, who let the writer on the set? We got this. We don't need we don't need this person bothering us. The auteur, the genius, the, the director will take it from here. So when you look at something like True Detective, you're like, well, is this a TV show or a film, right? That's, that is a legitimate question when you're talking about specific shots and the vibe and, you know, what, when, when McConaughey is talking about the psychosphere and it's so atmospheric and it's just, it's drenched, his speech is like, you're like, I don't know if that makes any sense. This whole thing feels awesome. So what happened, and I'm going to get their names wrong, I'm sure, but I think Nick Pizzoletto, I think is the name of the creator and I want to say like Kerry Fuka, Fukuhama or something is the director. Like I was just right? thinking about that too. Yeah, I can't right. think of so, the name, but yes. So, so they, so the show's a hit. And of course, what you're supposed to do is go, I don't know, man, we're Lennon and McCartney. We, everything we do is awesome. And he's awesome. And I'm awesome. And we're just going to keep making awesome stuff. But because of ego, you know, they're like, uh, I'm carrying this motherfucker. This fucking guy, this guy's doing interviews talking about how it's his show. It's my show. So then they go, so they go, uh, uh, no, 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 no. So then, so then the writer creator goes, I'll show you whose show it is. Okay. How about you get lost? And then the guy goes, oh, all right. Well, I mean, you created it. I guess you're, you're in charge here. I'll get lost. Uh, How'd season two turn out? Talk about a fucking referendum. Talk about a referendum on who who was contributing more. So, by the way, Nick, you fucked this up so completely because you could have kept this guy around. Season two wouldn't have sucked and you would still be getting credit for it. But what you did was you created a referendum. So we'll see. We'll see who is responsible for season one. Ready? So so wait, so Nick Pizzoletto is Bill Belichick? Greatest of all time? No, obviously uh, not. Brady Brady went down to Tampa and he's carried well, the director. I I, right. I I I read. You know what? It's no. over. 
It's over with. Go ahead. Belichick didn't go one in 15. Okay, that was season two I see. of, of okay. True Detective. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, like it's a funny thing to, to I mean, I, by the way, how could you watch those cuts and not go, we got a great director? Like, how could you, as the writer creator, you're like, and by the way, I, you know, I've had plenty of those moments where, you know, my name's on a script and something happened on set where I'm like, that was awesome. I didn't have anything to do with it. Like the actor riffed that or the director came up with the staging that made it funny. And you're like, but guess who gets full credit for that? The guy, you know, like, so just let, let the director do his magic. And there was even a little uh, Easter egg a rotten Easter egg, I think in season two where they depicted the director. Like, I think he maybe had a ponytail or something like it was like, they, they took a shot at him in the season and it was like, okay, he's obviously good at his job. What, what's your point? Uh, I'd love, I'd love to have some of those images uh, as wall hangs. They were so beautiful, but uh, yeah, the, uh, I mean, McConaughey, the, the bad guy put a knife in him and picked him up off the ground with it. And then it's like, oh man, I really learned a valuable lesson about existence. Like what, what the hell just happened here? This is a brutal um, series about existence. Anyway. What if it, it ends, what if Game of Thrones ends with Arya Stark killing the White Walker? It helps it a little bit. Right? I mean, that tiny moment, bit. it's one of the multiple issues, but yeah, that moment was so awesome. She that was good. Not, not to, not to drag it forever, but the real issue with game of Thrones is not even like the, the ending itself. It was the process of the ending. They rushed it and changed it because DB Weiss and David Benioff were focused on being involved in the star Wars series, which then they were then like taken off all star Wars projects. So in the end, some of it, nothing was accomplished on, on either end and it just ruined it. And especially when you have these book readers who care so much, it's going to, the book's going to be vastly different than how the show ended. I'll tell you that. I so, guess yeah, that, you're that's right. bad. But Hinch is right though. The, everything else is anti-climax after that. What do we, do we need to see? Like, we know everything's going to be all right. You could pretty much, if, if that was the goal of that season was like, oh, let's, uh, let's put a bow on this thing. You don't need, the ceremony of who's going to run this land. Like, ah, as long as it's not the white walkers, we're, we're in good shape. You really could have ended it there. Maybe that well, would have been. You seem, you seem pretty versed. So you might be able to answer this. Oh, like, he's deeply versed in this. But Too wasn't, much. wasn't there, wasn't part of the problem, like going a, Hey, George RR, uh, how's it coming? You got more, you got more stuff for us? I think somewhere along the way, even close to like the middle seasons or beginning of the seasons, they knew they were going to surpass him. Um, and, and as long as like his test, George's test was how to like, what is the big reveal? Like if the R plus L equals J, which is like the Rhaegar and Leon Stark is John. Uh, they, they're the parents of John, uh, uh, John Snow. As long as they knew that he was like, you could run with it. And he was involved in a sense um, leading up into it. And then they eventually excommunicated from him as well. And that's when things kind of took a turn. I mean, every single actor has come out basically and said they did not like how it ended. Uh, they wish that George was involved more. They also lost a bunch of the good, like better directors also stopped uh, doing some episodes as well that, that now HBO is bringing back for future Game of Thrones spinoffs. So it's like with George involved as well. So they just really took a bad turn. And there were so many, I mean, we can go on for hours about how many things they screwed up and how well, they was an equal why there was a polar bear on that island what, what oh. the hell was that about why did there was there a, why was there a ghost 
Why, what the hell happened there? Why did I watch that? Why did I, I'm never getting those hours back in my life that I um, wasted on that dumb thing. Like, I think we can, Spaghetti, back, back me up here. George R.R. R. Martin basically pulled an Albert Hainsworth, right? He's like, <laughs> uh, how much how money is just flowing endlessly into my bank account? Oh, hundreds of millions of dollars. Oh, okay. And and does that all stop if I if I don't write another book? No. It's but, well, it, you're, I mean, okay, yeah, you're on, right. So I can eat lunch. I can chill. Like, by the way, for most writers, writing is like slicing off your fucking pinky. Like it's a fucking drag that you have to do to have uh, lunch catered. And they're like, oh, George R.R., don't worry about it. Hainsworth never had to. Hainsworth would get blocked like right on the snap. He'd get blocked and he would lie down. Hainsworth would lie down, face down. And sometimes there was one play where Michael Vick scrambled for 38 seconds Hainsworth never got up like Hainsworth was like it was the it was the craziest uh, that contract's guaranteed. I guess I have to come out here and softly collide with this offensive lineman. But then I'm taking a fucking nap for the rest of the play. And I think George R.R. was like, you got to be kidding me. This money's guaranteed. These guys got it. These young whippersnappers, they'll do something as long as R plus L equals J. I'm good, man. So, yeah, it's like. You, you can't – I'm glad – by the way, I I like that. That's human. That's a human being. Um, you, you'd rather chill than fucking kill yourself to nail the ending. For sure. Yeah. No, um, I – yeah, I embrace that. I I, I like it. Yeah. No, no reason to get the – Albert Hainsworth and George R.R. R. Martin in a room together to discuss the laziness they share. Like – and they can both say, like, I, I'm with you. It was the hundred million that corrupted me. Me too. It, it's it is insane that through a pandemic and George sitting in his house and like Albuquerque, he just couldn't write you know a couple pages. But he puts out other science fiction like novellas, but just can't do a song of ice and fire. I mean, it's it's it is pretty mind boggling. Yeah, you're right. And and on the other side of things, Stephen King and Tom Brady, you're the weirdos. Uh, what 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 what's left now? What what are you doing? Just cut it out. Cut the crap already. We get it. You know, I, I felt that way about Letterman for a long time, where it's like, oh, that's so cool that you're into the racing and you, the, the, you've got the racing team and like you still want to go fucking do your shit. What, what are you doing? Like what? how many tens of millions of dollars are you worth? Go enjoy it instead of like like Stephen King is doing exactly what he did when he was poor. I guess I'll get up and write 700 pages today, just like when I was poor. Like, enjoy it. Enjoy it. By I the agree. way, speaking of Stephen King, you're you're uh, you're steeped in this check because, you you know, you've been on television so much. You've, you're very active on the social media. So you're you're super familiar with how mean, you know, just the shots people must take at you all the time. I mean, like I take them at you out of love because we go back so far. But oh, like okay. strangers on social media will say shit about anyone. Like it's shocking how how intimate and mean people will get to you know they'll at you with you know with and so 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 one of our fans bless his heart uh assuming it was a dude um call, said i look like a lesbian stephen king which <laughs> i missed that first of all i like 
I'm a big fan of both of those things. So I was like, I don't know how to take this. I know it's a shot. Uh, I think lesbians, Megan Rapino, Sue Bird, and Stephen King should file a class action suit against this person. It's really an insult to them because, mm-hmm. like, I look, I look like shit. Like, I'm like, this is this is 13 months of fucking rough living, not getting to the gym, like not caring. Uh, the fucking revenant. I haven't had a haircut in over a year. Like I, I look rough, you know. So it's like, I mean, like Stephen King should be offended that. They think I, I know they say they say they're basically trying to say Stephen King's uglier. I'm like, well, I'm way uglier. But uh, it was just a little taste of what you must deal with all the time being such a big deal on on social media. And I don't like it. I don't like social media. <laughs> I mean, it's re- I mean, it really comes back to your original point. I mean, this is weird coming from somebody who's spaghetti. I mean, it's awfully mean, isn't he? I mean, like, you know, sometimes you catch some of it too. Some of the, no, I obviously like you with your friends. I, Who cares? No, I look, obviously if I get, if I'm in a room with a dunce like spaghetti, I'm going to crack wide. <laughs> but the, but the, this is what it's I'm talking about. He says it's spaghetti. This is like this is badinage. This is like, this is what it's I supposed think. to be. Like you can defend yourself. And like the fucking guy in his mom's basement, just, I mean, first of all, how about during the tournament when alleged fans of like Illinois and Ohio State just ripping off racist death threats to your guys? These are your guys. These are your guys. And it's like, you know what I'm going to do, mom? Thank you for the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I'm going to go downstairs to the basement and I'm going to whip off some racist death threats. By the way. The one to the Ohio State guy, he was the only guy who played well on the entire team. It's like you want to shake the guy and go like, uh, he had 24. Um, here, here are the guys who are eligible for your racist death threats. These guys played shitty. Uh, you managed to threaten the one guy who had a good game. Uh, anyway, I, I like and, and by the way, I also thought like, isn't it against the law to, to threaten someone's life to at them with a death threat? No. Nothing ever happens. No, there's n- never any like it's kind of like that Napster thing where Napster was like, um, we got to fucking shake up five million names in a lottery hopper and pick one person to put in jail. Like, yeah, everyone steals music. Right. And we right. have to make an example of someone. Some fucking 19 year old has to go to prison <laughs> for these death threats. I tw- with- that's my game. My game is hold out the racket and let their own stupidity and, you know, obnoxious behavior undo them. It requires no emotion whatsoever. It would be I I don't know what somebody could say to me, uh, uh, what a complete stranger could say to me that would actually get a rise out of me. I mean, it's Brian Dubinsky talking stuff on on Sidney Crosby. Crosby's reaction was like, he can say what he wants. Anyway, let's uh, talk about uh, the game. Like. What am I? What, why would I care what some schnook? And by the way, they're generally going to be fifteen-year-olds. Who, I mean, the depiction in movies and TV of who the bad guys are—it's like it's like this washed-out forty-one-year-old guy who's committing crimes. The reality is, it's fourteen-year-olds who commit who, who who are reckless with life and everything else. And it kind of is also true in the life of the uh, of social media. I mean, the people that are just like saying outrageous, horrible things like 
if you met them, it's like, um, shouldn't you be in class right now? Uh, I mean, like they're, 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 they're kids for the most part. And if, and if they're older than the age of 14, then they clearly have some emotional issues that they would do something like that. So either way, you just reject them out of hand. Who cares? Anyway, listen, I reject you both out of hand. Um, because it's time to go. I, I, how did we do it, Spaghetti? This was a oh, long one. Spaghetti has a lot to chop up. I don't know this, what you're gonna do. What's the chop up? What are you gonna chop? Are you gonna chop anything out, Spaghetti? Uh, I don't. I don't really don't think I want to because when you have artists creating phenomenal art, you just let them kind of go. I mean, they, you know, you this, guys were this a tour is of be the, uh, the Coppola director's cut. Yeah, uh, hundred and ninety six minutes. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have enough time in the jungle. In the two and a half hour apocalypse now, yeah. Enjoy if you right, this extra forty minutes. <laughs> yeah, we don't need the whole sit down with the uh, with the French people the French. somewhere in the jungle of Vietnam. Uh, like, why? Well, I, I, I don't need the depiction of that. I don't need the whole you know, scene. This movie needs this movie needs a kind of a Jane Austen Gosford Park dinner scene. If you can sit through the Sopranos uh, entire series for a second time. Or you can sit through Zack Snyder's uh, cut of Justice League. You certainly can devote an hour and a half or whatever we've got here. to. This is minus three Snyder cut. So, yeah. (laughs) Minus three spaghetti cut. All right. That'll that'll be good times. Um, All right. All right, Hench. uh, Good times as always with you. We'll talk to you next week. Make sure everybody, I hope you remember what our best bets were way back when we got this thing going here. Bet them all, fanduel.com slash minus three. Once again, it's the the word minus. The number three, follow along on social media. Tell your pals about it. uh, Share the good word. We appreciate you doing that. And uh, we'll be back with more hooey and applesauce for you on the other side of the weekend. Until then, enjoy the Masters and all the other sports. And it's been a thin slice of heaven.